praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I, I need him on a daily basis. Matter of fact, I need him every moment of my life, every second that I'm breathing. I need the Lord. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're not standing, to go ahead and stand and reach for your Bibles, please, if you don't mind. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me. While you're standing, uh, I want to let all the men... Do I have any men in the building this morning? Any men here today? Good, I got two. Um, our men's ministry director, Sean Lawson, wants me to let you know that right after service this morning, he's going to have a very short meeting over in the dining hall. Uh, there's several um, opportunities that we have to lend a hand to some folks, and uh, he is passionate about service and helping others, so any men that are interested in helping uh, and hearing more about what's going on, make sure that you go over to the dining hall this morning and Sean wants to meet with you for just a few moments. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles today to the book of Matthew chapter 6, and as you're turning there, I want to say on behalf of myself and my family, thank you again uh, for everything that you did for us last week on Pastor Appreciation Day last Sunday. It was just, it was amazing. And uh, we are beyond grateful and we are beyond thankful uh, for everything, every kind word, every uh, expression through a card, uh, through, uh, through your giving, uh, through things, through gifts that you gave. It just has overwhelmed our hearts uh, the way that you treated us on, yes, last Sunday and the meal that was provided. It was just a wonderful day. And uh, if I haven't told you lately, we love you and uh, we appreciate you. We're thankful that you are our church family. You have made uh, these last eight months <clears throat> a very easy time in the midst of a difficult transition for us and for you. And uh, we, we thank you for that. The book of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to begin a series this morning entitled Give Up. And for the next three weeks, ushers, go ahead and lock the doors. I'm going to be talking about money, how dare you, Pastor? What's in the Bible? I'm going to be talking about generosity. I'm going to be talking about stewardship. I'm going to be talking about tithing. And obviously, I'm going to be talking about giving. So if you're here this morning, I've got you. I don't want you to leave, and I want you to come the next two weeks. Now, it's been a long time, and I'm not taking a dig or anything. It's been a long time since you have heard a series or a message on tithing and giving and stewardship. Well, over the next three weeks, I'm going to unpack for you some truths in the Word of God. And I would venture to say, I'm not a betting man, that at some point these next three weeks, Brother Turpin, somebody's going to be mad at me. But I don't want you to get mad at me because I didn't write the Bible. I've already lost half of you. You've already checked out on me. I didn't write the Scripture. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And here's what I found. That when I preach about giving, usually the folks that get mad are the ones who aren't following what the Word of God teaches them to do. I'm not getting no help in here this morning. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I preach out of love and I preach out of compassion. But you can ask, ask some of these folks that are here from Rocky Mountain. I'm going to preach the truth of the Word of God, and if it upsets you, you're going to have to pray and ask the Lord to help you. 
Because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you the truth. And here's why. Here's why I'm going to preach this, this these next three weeks. It's not because I need your money. It's not because the Lord needs your money. I'm preaching this because I want you to live a life that is blessed beyond measure. And I'm going to help you, I believe, these next few weeks. I'm going to unpack some truths for you. Now, the only person in this building that's excited about me preaching this is me. You're not probably excited, but I'm telling you, if you'll take the next three weeks and you'll let the Holy Spirit use the Word of God to talk to you and instruct you and teach you, I believe that you can live in a place of blessing that you're not currently living in. Oh, let me go ahead and read Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. Verses 19, 20, and 21. Here are the words of Jesus. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to start this series today entitled Give Up. Everybody say give up. Give up. And this morning, I want to talk on this thought, a bag, a barrel, and a basket. Father, bless the reading of the Word today. I believe you've already blessed it. Father, I want you to bless the preaching of the Word today. And God, I want you to help me this morning to articulate and to communicate from this treasure chest we call the Bible the truth that's in here. God, I want you to put a guard over my mouth, and I want you to only let me speak what you want me to speak. God, may I bathe this word with love and with compassion and grace and mercy, but God, may I preach it with boldness and conviction today, God. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to open the ears of people today to hear something that maybe they've not heard in a long time. Open their eyes, God, to see the truth of the word that will, that will liberate them, God, and get, lead them into a place, God, of freedom. And open our hearts. And as the seed of your word is planted deep into our souls today, God, may it bring forth fruit in our lives. And I love you today, and I thank you. And the church together said a great big amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning, Pastor Tony. <clears throat> thank you for your help today. Winston Churchill was once quoted as saying, you make a living by what you get but you make a life by what you give. I believe that one of, in my opinion this morning, one of the greatest privileges that we have as Christian people is the giving of our finances to God. Now, most people that I know, they don't have a problem with pastors and preachers talking about giving. As long as we don't talk about giving and money in the same sentence. And as long as we don't talk about them giving their money in the same sentence. But see, giving is a matter of the heart. And if our heart is completely surrendered and given up and over to God, then our finances will follow as well. 
If you want your giving to be blessed, you have to give up. You have to direct it heavenward. Now, I want you to understand this morning that giving, and I, when I talk about giving, I'm talking in direct relation to money and finances. Giving is not something that you can just bypass and read over in the Scripture. Giving is in the Bible. I'm not getting any help here. I'm just, I'm till now. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to plow on until you get revelation. As a matter of fact, there are 500 verses in the Bible on faith. 500 verses on prayer. Ready for this one? But there are 2,350 verses in the scripture that deal with money and possessions. Of the 38 parables that Jesus told, those illustrated stories that he used to drive home a point, 16 of those 38 parables, Jesus talked directly about money. So there's no way possible you can say that you're a Bible-believing Christian if you choose to skim over or skip the part about money and possessions that the Bible teaches us about. <clears throat> see, there's so many people that they, say, they see giving as, as an obligation that they have or a debt that they owe. But giving is not an obligation that you have. It's not a debt that you owe. It is a seed that you sow. Now, I'm going to say this right here. I'm going to say it at the outset of this series. <clears throat> it is impossible for you to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and hold back in this area of your life as it relates to giving. I'm going to come up here and preach to the choir director for a minute. Because there are people that will, that will claim to be in a, in a love affair and a relationship with Jesus Christ and they're sold out. And their mouth says one thing and their checkbook register says another thing. Boy, I'm going to preach this. I, I told, I'm the only person excited. Not because, I, not because I'm trying to be hard, but I want you to get free this morning. Let me just say this. Whoever told you that Christian people are supposed to be broke, busted, and disgusted and walk around with a long face and cry how poor they are and barely getting by, they didn't read the Bible that I'm reading. Now listen, I'm not some name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and cut out a car and put it on your, on your refrigerator and call it in. Listen, you can call it in until the cows come home and you're blue in the face, but if you don't follow what the Scripture teaches you, there's nothing going to come your way. And listen to me, the love of money is the number one thing that keeps people from having an unbelievable relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, you cannot divorce your faith and your finances. God sees them as inseparable. Now, let me, I want to give to you just quickly what I call some giving myths. Some people will tell you that giving is a cure-all for your problems. That if you'll start tithing and you'll start giving to the church, every problem you have will magically vanish and disappear. That is not true. Some folks will tell you that if you'll start giving now and being faithful in tithing and faithful in giving, that it will erase all the bad financial decisions you've made in your past. 
that is not true. Because listen, you can start giving and you can start tithing and you can start being faithful. That does not cancel out poor choices that you've made. You always reap what you sow. Now, I want to say this before I get to the next one. I am not a slick-haired, money-grubbing preacher. I am not after your money. I'm not taking up an offering at the end of service today. I have no motivation to preach this except it's in the Scripture and the Holy Spirit has dealt with my heart to preach this to you. I have no hidden motive. we're, We're not desperate. We don't need money. But some of you need to be blessed. So I don't want you to mistake my motivation here. I'm not selfish. I'm not greedy. I don't need your money. Matter of fact, God doesn't need your money. And money is not about, giving is not about your money. It's about your heart. And if your heart is right, your giving will be right. And if your heart is right, you won't see giving is wrong. Here's, a, here's another myth they'll tell you. That giving is an easy way to get rich. Now if you just give, God will, God will, God will bless you and money to start, just start floating down out of heaven. That's not true. But let me give you some giving truths this morning. Giving truth, number one, God is not after your money. Giving truth, number two, that if you give generously, you will be blessed generously. And giving truth, number three, you don't sow to reap, but you always reap what you sow. You don't give to get something from God, but if you give, God is going to bless you. I struggle with some of the teaching that's out there today about giving. When people say you ought to give and expect nothing in return, have you lost your mind? Why in the world would you give and expect nothing back from God? The Bible says if you give, it is given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Listen, there's only one place in Scripture that God said to ever test him or try him. And that was with the tithe and the offering. And he said when you bring the tithe and the offering and you give it out of the right heart and out of the right motivation, he will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out blessing that there's not room enough for you to receive it all. So why would you give and say, God, I'm giving, but I don't expect anything in return. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You'll get nothing every single time. Lord, help me today. Boy, this is some tough ground. I'm plowing the ground up a little bit for you. You'll be all right in the next three weeks. You're going to feel better about it. So giving is about your heart. And there's a leadership principle out there that says you should never ask your people to do something that you yourself are not willing to do. And God would never ask you to give if he wasn't willing to give himself. And the ultimate example when it comes to giving is God himself. Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God gave us his firstborn. God gave us the very best 
gift he could possibly give us. And it was not motivated but because of obligation, but it was motivated out of a heart of love. And your motivation for giving, for tithing, it should not be because the pastor asked you to. It should not be something you feel like you have to do because you don't want to live under a curse. You should do it because you have a heart that loves God and says, God, you set the example for giving, so I will follow your example. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Listen, where moth and rust, they, they, they don't corrupt. They don't destroy. Thieves don't break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And you show me a man or a woman's checkbook and I can tell you exactly where your heart is. You show me your bank account. I'm just, it's a statement. I don't want to see it. That's between you and the Lord. And folks wonder why they always struggle. Because Scripture teaches, and this is I'm getting into next week, I don't want to do that. That when you fail to honor God first, you live under a curse. Let me just talk to you about giving. I'll get into the tithe next week, and that we may have 100 people here next week. <clears throat> there are, let me, here's the question I want to ask you this morning Are you a giver? And if you are, what type of giver are you? There's three types I want to talk to you about real quick. Number one, number one is bag people. Everybody say bag people or bag givers. And, and you didn't have to say that, but thank you. Bag givers are motivated by selfishness. Bag people never have enough. Bag people are so busy working they have no time for God. And bag people have this mentality that they have to hold on to every single thing that they have. It's like the little girl I read about, a little four-year-old girl some time ago I read about was sitting in church one day and offering was being received and she had a, a quarter she had tightly clutched in her hand. And as the ushers were making their way by with the plates, you could hear the mother and father trying to convince her to put the quarter in the offering plate. And much to the embarrassment of the mom and dad and the people around that were kind of snickering and laughing, she just refused to let go until finally the mom and dad pried her fingers off of that quarter and you could hear her drop in the offering plate. When she got home that day, the little girl went out on her swing set and she was swinging back and forth. When she would get as high as she possibly could, she'd say to God, I want my quarter back. And there are folks who live with clenched fists. Man, I feel a preacher on me. Listen, I, I'm telling you, I can be Pentecostal when I preach about giving, so hang on. I can shout at the drop of a hat and preach about money and shout. I'm going to preach to you. Listen, I'm going to preach in a minute. There are people that come to church and sit on the pews like this during offering time. And when they do give... 
They give out of obligation. They give with a bad attitude. They give with an impure motive. And when they do give, they get back home and calculate, what could I have done with that if I had held it tightly? God, I want my quarter back. It's a selfish heart. And people that live like that work so hard shoving more and more into bags that they wear holes in the bottom of it. They have this belief that you get all you can and you can all you get. Now, there's nothing wrong with saving. Don't you misunderstand what I'm preaching to you this morning. And there's nothing wrong with being a good steward and setting some aside and having a savings account and having life insurance and all. That's important. You should be a good steward. When you come to God, you can't come like a little four-year-old with your fist clenched. And God has to pry your fingers. Listen, if God has to pry your fingers away and pry your heart, listen, you might as well not give because it's not going to be blessed. Boy, I'm preaching better today than you're responding. Now, I promise if you'll come back tonight, I'm going to make you feel good. I promise. So come back tonight. Pastor, what do you mean by a bag giver? There's a verse of Scripture. A little minor prophet named Haggai. And Haggai 1.6 records these words. You sow much, but bring in little. You eat but don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Now, what what does that scripture mean? Well, you've got to understand that that scripture is, is directed to a group of people called the Israelites who had been taken out of their homeland by a king named Nebuchadnezzar, had lived in a place called Babylon for 70 years in captivity. There were three different groups that were led back. Once that 70-year period was over, they were led back to their homeland. And Haggai was one of the people that led a group back, and they came back with the intention to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. The Babylonians had just left it in ruins. They were going to restore worship, and they came back with the right intentions. But 16 years later, the temple is still undone. Worship has not been restored, and here's why. Because the people had allowed their personal affairs and their desire for what they wanted to get in the way. And because they wanted more, and they wanted to take care of themselves first, What was supposed to have been done was left undone. So all of the work they were doing to take care of themselves and meet their own needs and all they were gathering and all they were trying to put in bags more and more and more, it was like putting into a bag with holes. There was no return on it. And 16 years later, they had become passionless, passive procrastinators whose priorities were out of order. And because of that, God gives us this picture, this this symbolism, this type in the shadow of bags with holes. They're working hard. Listen, there's people like that. They will work themselves and work their fingers to the bone, work themselves to death just to get more and more and more and more. But they have nothing to show for it. You know why? Because their priorities are out of order. 
And they have neglected the needs that God has. And they have put their personal affairs and their personal business in front of what God wants from them. And if you read down to the seventh verse of Haggai 1.7, God says something very powerful. He says, consider your ways. You know what he was saying in the modern language? You better recognize, folks. You better get a clue here. You better, you better clue in. Because you've missed something. And here's the problem. Their heart wasn't right. Their heart was selfish. Their heart was self-absorbed. Their heart was all about them and their needs. And as a result, their heart was wrong and their giving was futile. They earned wages to put into a bag with holes. I'm telling you, you can work and work and work and shove more and more into bags. But if God is not first and God is not a priority, you're simply putting all your wages and all your earnings into a bag with holes and it's going to amount to nothing. And you will live with not enough for the rest of your lives. Now here's the second type of giver. You've got bag people and then you've got barrel people. Or barrel givers. And barrel giver, givers are motivated by fear. Barrel givers have just enough. Barrel givers are afraid of letting go of what they have for fear that they won't have enough. Barrel givers get what they can and then they hang on to it like this and say, God, I, 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 can't, I can't give what you're, what you're asking because I, what if lean times come and a rainy day comes and I might not have enough. And they live with just enough. The Bible gives us a picture of a barrel giver. First Kings chapter 17. I've been teaching about the prophet Elijah on Wednesday nights. And Israel found themselves at a time of, of spiritual and moral decay. And there was no, no voice, no spiritual voice to stand up in that nation and to point those people back to God who had backslidden and turned their backs on God, God and started serving this, this idol called Baal. And God raises up a, a man, a prophet, by the name of Elijah. And he shows up at the palace of a wicked king named Ahab who was leading Israel at that time. And Elijah points his finger in the face of that king. And he says, because of your wickedness and because of this nation's idolatry, for the next three years and six months, there'll be no rain or dew in this land, on this earth, except at my word. And after that prophecy, Elijah slips away and he ends up at a place called the Brook Cherith. And for the next year, the Bible tells us that Elijah drinks from that brook. And the ravens bring him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And while drought and famine is happening all around him, God is taking care of the prophet. Well, the Bible tells us that it, at a certain point that the brook dried up. This is in 1 Kings 17. The brook dries up. And the ravens stop bringing food. And God says to the prophet, I want you to get up from here and I want you to go to a place called Zarephath. Because there I have provided a widow lady to take care of you. Now, that's, that's a laugher, isn't it? Now, if you've sat in my class the, next, the last several Wednesday nights, we've talked about this. That's a laugher. There's drought and there's famine. Elijah's going to be in need. and He's going to use a widow woman? Probably on a fixed income? 
to take care of him. But Elijah doesn't ask any questions. He leaves Cherith. He, he gets to a place called Zarephath. When he gets to the gate of the city, this is one of my favorite stories in all the scripture. He sees a widow lady gathering sticks. And he says to her, excuse me, ma'am. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to paraphrase here. He said, would you go and get me a drink of water in a cup and bring it to me so I may have something to drink? She has no qualms with that. She begins to, to make her way to get him a drink. And he says, oh, by the way, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she didn't have a problem with the drink, but she had a problem with the bread. And she says to him, sir, I don't have any bread. All I have is a little bit of flour in a barrel. I've got some oil in a jar. I'm gathering a few sticks. I'm going to go and prepare this one last meal, this meal of bread for me and my son, and we're going to eat it, and then we are going to die. And Elijah says to her in verse 13, Do not fear. Oh, boy. God, I'm about to do that. Do not fear. He said, Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake. I mean, he's he done going from bread to cake. That's my kind of man right there. Brother Kenny, he said cake. Listen, honey buns, cakes, you thought little Debbie. Little Debbie didn't invent those. God made those things. He says, go and make me a small cake. Watch it. Watch, watch. From it. Everybody say first. See, giving is a matter of putting God first. Oh, Lord, listen, if I hadn't rocked you this week, I'm going to get you next week good. He said, make me a small cake from it first. And then go and prepare some for you and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the barrel of flour will not, run, will not be used up. The jar of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now watch. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. Watch what this little lady does. The Bible says she goes and she does according to the word of Elijah. And her and her household did eat for many days. And the final verse says this in that story. That the barrel of flour was not used up. And the jar of oil did not run dry according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. That lady found herself in a place place and she needed a word from God and God showed up and said do not fear go and do exactly as you have been told to do because see all she had was a little bit of flour in a barrel a little bit of oil in a jar but something supernatural began to happen when she obeyed the command of Elijah she went from a bag level not enough to a barrel level of just enough at first she didn't have enough for her and her son and Elijah but when she stepped out in faith and she gave like the prophet encouraged her to give listen she had just enough for her and her boy and Elijah at first glance she didn't have enough to last her for more than one day but the Bible says that every single day that her and her son ate from that little barrel of flour that little oil that little bit of oil that was in a jar and she lived on just enough. I want to tell somebody today as you grow in your faith God wants to take you 
from a bad level not enough to a barrel level of just enough. He doesn't want you just to have to scrape and to scrounge and to live with nothing. But I'm telling you, God has some flour in a barrel. God's got some oil in a jar. And God wants to take care of his children. He's just waiting on somebody that will say, God, here's what I have. I give it to you. I won't live with clenched fists anymore. But I'm going to do exactly what your word says. And I'm telling you, God will supply what you need. If you believe that, come on and praise the Lord today. So you see, there's folks that have not enough. And then there's folks that have just enough. And she had just enough for her and her son to live on. Here's one more type of giver. You've got, you've got bag givers, you've got barrel givers, and then I want to talk to you about basket people. And if bag people are motivated by selfishness, and barrel people are motivated by fear. Listen, we have all lived in a place, probably, because for the most part, we are middle-class American families in here. And we have lived in times when writing a tithe check or writing a check for a special offering or giving to something that the Lord asks us to give, it has struck possibly fear in our hearts at times. I mean, I remember the days having to take the calculator to the grocery store. Some of you don't remember that. I remember that. I remember those days of hoping that somebody would give us diapers to put on Jensen's backside. And I listen, I was tithing. I was giving. Here's what I want you to understand. Tithing and giving doesn't solve all your problems. Life happens sometimes. But here's what I do know. There are some lean seasons, but that is not the time to hold back on your giving. There are times that it's going to cause a little fear in your life, a little bit of fear in your heart, and you're going, man, I, I, I just I can't do that. I, I can't afford to pay my tithe. I can't afford to give it an offering. I, I can't afford to, 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 to buy some stuff to put in the shoebox for those kids. I, I can't afford to get gloves and toboggans. We've all been there. And there are seasons, listen, that you're not, you're not always going to live in a season of overflow and abundance because life happens sometimes. And when fear sets in and it grips your heart, that is not the time to say, now God, I, I think I need to take a break right here and wait because I just I don't think I'm going to have enough. Come on. You cannot be driven by fear when it comes to giving. There's another level right here. It's called basket people. And bag people never have enough and barrel people have just enough, but basket people have more than enough. And if bag people are driven by selfishness and bear people are driven by fear, basket givers, basket people are driven by generosity. As the Bible teaches us, it is more blessed to give than to what? To receive. But I'm telling you now, listen. The church has become full of consumers. Somebody back here, somebody behind the pew, say amen. Somebody, please. Because we come into the church and it's all about what we can get. But you cannot always be a consumer and be a taker. At some point, you've got to graduate and become a giver. I know this is not for everybody. I know there's folks in here, you've been faithful. You're saying, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because there's some people that haven't got it yet. 
And they're in this thing for what they can get out of it instead of what they can give into it. And I don't want to make you feel bad. This is, listen, I'm not whipping you. I'm not, I'm not scolding you. I'm not rebuking you. I'm giving you truth to help you. And I'm doing it in love today because I, listen, I want you to be blessed. I want your family to be blessed. I want you to live in abundance. But you can't live at that level if you don't do what the Word of God says. The Word works every time. But you've got to work the Word if it's going to work for your life. Let me tell you about this story real fast. Basket people. Probably my favorite miracle in all of Scripture is the miracle. We call it the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. But you know as well as I do, and I, I, I think this is the first sermon I ever preached here I talked about this miracle. That there were 5,000 men, the Bible says, not including women and children. So more than likely there was fifteen to 20,000 people present that day when Jesus got finished teaching. And his disciples come to him and say, Lord, the hour's growing late. The sun's getting ready to set. It's going to get dark. We need to send the people away so they can eat something on their way home. And Jesus says, we don't need to send them away. You give them something to eat. And they said, Lord, we don't, we don't have anything. All we have is a little boy here, and he's got five loaves and two fish. And what are they amongst so many? Now, let me help you here. Five loaves and two fish is not like five loaves and two fish that you think about. I, if you study this story, and you study the scripture, and you study commentators, and you study theologians, they weren't five big heaping loaves of sourdough bread. We like to think that it was. But more than likely, they say it was more like five small crackers or biscuits that he had. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about the boy's mother, but I'm, the boy had to have a mother, don't you think? I mean, somebody gave birth to him. The boy had a mama. And somebody had to make it for him, I would say. And the two fish he had, it wasn't two largemouth bass. that James Hanks called or Jimmy Fibbs called and put it on Facebook to brag for the whole world to see. Or Ronnie Burchett. And you know Ronnie's fish stories are a lot bigger than they really are, by the way. <laughs> Ronnie's my buddy. <clears throat> but it was probably more like five small, they said, sardines. The size. Because listen, that boy, when he left that day, he wasn't planning on feeding the whole crowd, was he? I don't think he was. So as Jesus has done teaching, those folks are all over that hillside. As far as the eye could see, fifteen to 20,000 people. And that little boy has, I mean, we'll, we'll, make, it, we'll make it five biscuits and, and two smallmouth bass. I mean, sardines and crackers, what it amounted to. And that little boy's lunch that day was just enough for him, Aunt B. But it was more than enough for the masses. You know why? Because that meal, I'm getting ready to show you something. It's going gonna, it's gonna to blow your theology out of the water. That meal was given away five different times. Watch. I, now, I'm going to imagine the little boy had a mother. I would venture to say she probably cooked it and packed it for him and gave it to him. That's one. Okay, let's say, Pastor, the, the mother, we don't even see the mother. Okay, we'll say it was given away four times. I can prove the four times for certain. 
And as he's there that day, and the disciples say, we don't have anything here, but a little boy has five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, bring it to me. So to get it into the hands of the disciples, to get it to Jesus, the little boy had to give it to the disciples first. That's one. Since I'm preaching it, that's two. He had a mama. She packed it and gave it to him. So we're up to two now, right? So the mother gives it to the boy. The boy gives it to the disciples. The disciples, the Bible said they took it and they gave it to Jesus. The Bible said he took the loaves and he said grace. Read the Bible. Looking up to heaven, he blessed it. He broke it. Watch. And then he... He gave it, that's three, to the disciples. Right? So the mother gives it to the boy, that's one. The boy gives it to the disciples, that's two. The disciples give it to Jesus, that's three. And then Jesus turns around and gives it back to the disciples, didn't he? Did he? That's four. And then the disciples distributed it and gave it to the hungry crowd. How many times is that? It's five. Now watch. And after they had fed everybody, listen, I, when I get to heaven, I got a long list of questions for Jesus when I get to heaven. And I want to ask him, how did that happen? Now, just let me imagine for a moment, I believe they pinched a piece off to give some bread to him and just kind of automatically, just magically appeared back. They'd take a piece, give it, and there it was. They'd take a piece and give it, there it was. And they go through the crowd, fifteen to 20,000 people, they're just giving bread and fish. Because they had five and two, didn't they? Well, they didn't have any extra to give. They just had the five and two. And somehow, it's, it's the miracle of multiplication. The more you give, the more God blesses. Now watch. And when they're all done, the Bible says when everybody had eaten and they were, they were full. Everybody say full. Do you know the difference between being full and not being full? Anybody? You're going to leave here today. And some of you are going to go up here to the Sony's Buffet. <clears throat> and you're going to eat till you're full. Now, there's full, and then there's nauseous full. <laughs> Anybody know nauseous full? <clears throat> oh, come on. I've been there a time or several. <clears throat> I remember one time we were, down, we were at Lee, we were, we were dating. And I don't know, it was a special occasion, something, your birthday or something. Her mama had sent her some money. And said, y'all go out to eat. And there's a place in Cleveland called Prime Sirloin. And my gosh, we went in there. Not we, me. <clears throat> we went in together. Listen, we went in hungry, but I came out sick. <clears throat> and she ate and she was done. Well, I don't, you know, I'm 19 years old. I'm eating Raymond noodles and Little Debbie's on a regular, you know, regular basis at school. And, you know, so we got, we're going somewhere nice. And she ate. And I ate, and I ate, and I ate. And I, I knew the guy that was the waiter there. And I mean, it was her birthday, I think. And I tell him it's her birthday. Well, he's a knucklehead. He comes out. I'm not kidding. These three big, huge, massive cookies and ice cream piled so high. And she ate a few hours. She said, I'm full. Well, I ate, <laughs> and I ate. And God is my witness. I sinned in that restaurant. I, w I got to the parking lot, and honest to God, I was physically gagging. I had eaten so much. It was awful. I mean, I didn't care if I saw another bite of food for a long time. There's a difference in being full, not full, and nauseous full. But the Bible said when they were full. Now, wait a minute. They didn't just get a little sample. The Bible said they ate till they were. Everybody say full. How do you feed 20,000 people and you're full? 
and you still got some left over. And when everybody had eaten and they were full, Jesus said, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And the Bible says those disciples walked around that day and gathered up 12 baskets full. 12 baskets full of leftovers above and beyond those that had already eaten. Everybody, all 20,000 mouths had been fed. They were full. They didn't want any more. And, the, and Jesus said, there's some scraps laying around. And 12 baskets later. Now, I'm not sure who the 12 baskets were for. Some say the disciples, one for each of them. Some say the little boy got it because of his willingness to give. I don't care who got it. Here's the bottom line. There were leftovers. And here's why. Because anytime something is given, it's always blessed. And the more you give, Pastor Tony, come help me land this, please, sir. The more you give, the greater the blessing is. So that meal, five different times, it was given away. And the more you give, the greater the blessing. I want you to hear me, and I'm closing. When you give out of just enough, or you give out of lack, there is supernatural, miraculous increase that happens. I want you to hear me today. God doesn't want to just bless you with enough for you. And for your family, I believe he wants to bless us with enough to bless our whole community. Hold on, boy, blessed. He blessed the whole place that day. You know where the miracle started? It didn't start in the hands of Jesus. It didn't start in the hands of the disciples. You know where the miracle started? It started in the hands of a little boy who was willing to give up what he had. Listen. You've got miracles. You've got financial miracles. And I know, listen, that pastors preaching about money nowadays is not a real popular thing because, because TV preachers have just absolutely killed it. And I'm sorry, I watch TV preachers, I listen to guys preach. But when it comes to finances, giving, some of them have absolutely killed any credibility that we have. <clears throat> you don't need to send off money to get a little bottle of miracle spring water to get your blessing. The blessing's in your hand if you'll just give. And I'm getting ready to make an altar call. And it's not an altar call about money. Because money is, it, listen, it's about our hearts today. And there are people in here, I feel under the, just the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you're struggling. You're struggling financially. And you know why you're struggling. Because you're living like this. And you live with not enough or just enough. And God says, listen, I want you to live with more than enough. I want, I want you to get to a basket level. Pastor, how do I get there? You've got to be willing to give what you got. Pastor, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't make very much. It's, 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 not, <clears throat> it's not quantity. Listen, that little lady that came that day and offered those two little pennies, she gave out of her lack. <clears throat> but we've been taught, Christian people, 
We got to be broke. We got to live paycheck to paycheck. We got to drive, drive an old beat up jalopy or a pinto or a Chevette <clears throat> and barely get by. Where do you read? Do you read that in the Bible anywhere? Pastor, are you preaching prosperity? I'm preaching the Bible. God wants to bless you. Hey, business owner, God wants to bless your business. God wants to bless this church. Now, Pastor, what do you mean by bless? I'm talking financially. God wants to bless you financially. But it only happens when you give. The miracle started in the little boy's hands. I want everybody just to take your hands and just open, open them both up like this. Would you do that? You don't have to participate, but I, if you would, I'd appreciate it. Just open both your hands like this. Compared, now take your hands and do this. Do it tight as you can. I mean, ball them as hard as you can. Now open it back up. Which way feels better? Jesus died on the cross. Lord, I'm getting revelation right here. there with him giving his life? Absolutely not. Resurrection power invaded the tomb on the third day. And he got up victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. There is victory in you when you give. God will bring victory when you give. Come on and praise him today. Stand with me.